Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Stephanie Mock of Mississippi State University. Now, before we jump into this week's show, I want to give you a quick recap of the week and really the weekend that was. And as you know, last week I was coming off a road trip to San Fran where I was hanging out with Glenn for a couple days, came back, immediately flipped that into a workshop Saturday, Sunday, and I thought, you know what, I'm tired, but I can just, I can kind of grind this out. And (laughs) I was telling Bill, it was literally just this kind of continuous degradation over the course of the week. So, you know, Monday I was tired, but I gutted it out. Tuesday, you know, I got some things done and I trained, but I just wasn't feeling great. So I backed off. By the time I got to Thursday, I was like, oh man, I am tired. Body weight kind of workout. And by by the time Friday came around, my body was just like, no moss, like Roberto Duran, no moss. I don't want to do anymore. So kind of operated from home that day, but had to regroup, had to re-energize because last weekend was a pretty big deal. It was my daughter Kendall's ninth birthday. And I know I talk about my kiddos all the time on this show. They are the absolute world to me. And that girl obviously has a special place in my heart, being my first. I mean, she's just such an amazing, awesome, beautiful, fun, smart little girl. Hashtag girl dad, you know, if we're still throwing out the Kobe stuff. Man, she is an awesome girl. And we had a great weekend. We did her birthday party on Friday. And she wanted to have a bunch of her friends. And they went to like an art studio thought this was very sophisticated. They had their own canvases and they got to paint and this instructor kind of led them through this painting of a sundae, which made me think of desserts and treats and all the things I probably don't need to be eating right now. But yeah, it was great. She had so much fun with her friends. They got her some really cute gifts. Saturday was a little bit lower key. The weather wasn't awesome. Kate had basketball, but we still got to do some of her favorite things. She loves when I grow out, so we grilled some really nice steaks that we had bought that day. We went to the library. We watched a movie, so Saturday was pretty legit, and then Sunday was like all about Kindle because number one, it was her birthday, so she loves the Starbucks bacon gouda breakfast sandwich, so we got her that. She opened her presents, uh, had a quick bite to eat, and then we went hiking and played outdoors for like most of the day, mostly afternoon on Sunday, which was so much fun. Uh, If you're on the gram, you saw some of our feats of strength and conditioning. (laughs) We went to this park, and as you walked around, there were all these random stations. And it would be like a chin-up station. It would be a push-up station, a sit-up station. So it was all like upper body and core, except for there was like a hamstring stretch. There was a balance beam. There was random stuff. But, I mean, we just had such a fun time messing around and being outdoors and then capped the the day off with one of her favorite burger joints. If you want a sign that this is my daughter, this girl loves a good burger. So went to Burger Fuel in Broad Ripple, and it was just a great weekend. Had a lot of fun with her, got to celebrate her. And, you know, as I tucked her into bed that night, not to uh, get caught all up in a moment here, but just thinking about, man, like we're kind of at the halfway point with this girl. I mean, she's nine years old. You know, she'll be 18 when she's in the house, but like we're already halfway to when she's going to go to college. And that was like, whoa, I mean, really heavy for me because I still remember her being such a little baby and holding her in my arm like a football and all the first steps and first words and all those things. So kind of mind blowing to think about that. Uh, I'm not going to get all caught up in my intro here, but needless to say, awesome girl, awesome weekend. So yeah, that was awesome. This week is definitely a busy one. I've got 
mentee calls. I'm trying to get my, my training back on track. Again, I checked the box last week, but the intensity was not where I would have liked for it to have been. So just checking that box, getting back in that routine this week, starting to push things back up. Mentee calls, four podcasts recorded on Thursday. So that's going to be a very busy day. I got some great people though. I got Eric Huddleston, who's one of our coaches at iFast. Awesome guy, very sharp guy. Can't wait to chat with him. Leo Totten. Uh, I have a guy from the world of cricket, I believe. He is a pitcher, bowler. I forget what they're called. <laughs> I think it's bowling. Um, but yeah, I've got a cricket guy on. So it's going to be a good week. Oh, and the Martin Rooney is actually coming on this Thursday as well. So really solid lineup. Excited to get all of them on. And then one other thing, not at all related to you know, the show or not necessarily related to stuff that I've got going on at the gym. But one thing that I've always tried to do is put great content out there. You know, back in the day, it was the written articles, whether it was articles for my website, articles for T-Nation or bodybuilding.com. And over the years, that's evolved. So now the writing isn't as much of a thing because I don't feel like people want to consume. They don't want to consume content in that medium. So I've definitely shifted my platforms, and obviously I've got this podcast now, I've got the iFast podcast, but I also am trying to do a fair amount of video content via Instagram, via YouTube, and while I think that's great, the issue that I'm running into is twofold. Number one, I'm very OCD about what I put out there. You know, I don't want to just put random stuff out there, I don't want to put stuff out just to do it, because I feel like there's a lot of that out there, and it ultimately becomes noise. So I don't wanna put just crap out there, right? If I'm gonna put something on the gram or put on YouTube, I want it to be high quality. The second issue is there's a lot of times when I wanna shoot stuff and I just can't do it at the gym. And you know, it's hard for me to get angry when there's people training at the gym because that's a good thing, right, for the business. But one thing that I'm going to work on over this year, and I just got the thumbs up from my amazing, beautiful, smart, and very, very awesome wife, was to take basically our kids' playroom in the basement that they are not using anymore and convert that to a little lifting slash video studio. So very excited about that. It's probably going to be four to six months in the making just because there's things that have to be done, right? I'm going to have to get the carpet up. I'm going to have to lay mat. I'm going to have to buy equipment. I'm going to have to buy video equipment. There's a lot of stuff that's going to go into it. But I think when it's all said and done, it's going to get me to my goal, which is to put out one really high quality video for you guys every single day. Could be something that's more coaching related. It could be something that's more program design related. But I mean, I have so many ideas that pop into my head and I'm like, damn, I just wish I could go shoot this right now. And I don't always have the space to do it. And I don't always have the quality of a setup to get it done. Because sometimes it does take time to get it set up and make it look good and all that. So Anyway, very excited to have the go-ahead on this. And again, it's going to take a couple months to get it rolling. But if you're patient, hopefully it will be worth it in the end. So, my friend, let's take a quick break. And then we're going to jump into this awesome new show with Stephanie Mock. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients 
and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the CERT is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next CERT will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Stephanie Mock joined Mississippi State University as the Director of Olympic Sports Strength and Conditioning in 2018. Over the previous five years, she was at Clemson University working with the Olympic Sports Strength and Conditioning Department. She most recently served as the Assistant Director of Olympic Sports Strength and Conditioning prior to arriving at Mississippi State. In her role at MSU, she is responsible for the supervision of the assistant strength coaches, graduate assistants, professional, and volunteer interns. She is directly responsible for the strength and conditioning efforts for softball and women's volleyball. In this show, Stephanie and I talk about what originally led her to the world of physical preparation, why she puts a huge emphasis on learning about the sports she works with, dealing with and mitigating the turnover in Olympic sports strength and conditioning, and how she goes about mentoring both her young coaches and her athletes. Stephanie was really awesome to chat with, and I know you're going to love this show. But enough for me, let's do this. Stephanie, so great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh, thank you, Mike, so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here chatting with you today. But a little bit about me. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, originally from up north, living down south now. Yes. For undergraduate, I went to West Virginia University and actually played volleyball there at WVU. And then for my master's, I went to Clemson University. And now currently I'm here at Mississippi State as the director of Olympic sports. So down south where it's quite hot. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say you've got a tan. So you must uh, you must get outside at least a little bit over there. So yeah, good vitamin D. That's right. So, (laughs) So talk to me, what led you to the world of physical preparation. You obviously played college sports, but like what got you interested in the like strength and conditioning side of all that? Yeah. So if I stood up right now, I'm only five foot three. So (laughs) um, I really had to tap into the weight room at a high level to be able to compete in the power five at West Virginia university and especially playing volleyball, a sport that everyone's known for being extremely tall. So I really sat, I really found my niche in the weight room training and I really took a lot of pride in that. 
And I saw how it transferred onto the court and allowed me to play at a higher level along with, I had a fantastic strength coach in college. Um, his name is Corey Twine. And he really not only physically prepared us, but mentally and emotionally and brought brought us, to, brought us together as a team. And it really allowed us to not only see physically what he brought to the table, but mentally too, and, and the team aspect of things. So I really, really enjoyed having him. And that's something that you don't have in high school um, to a high degree. Like I know at my high school, which is kind of like our sport coaches training us and we didn't really have a strength coach. So whenever I came into college, I was like, wow, this person plays a really high role and we spend a whole lot of time with them. So I yes. really, really enjoyed having that when I got to college and it really helped me go from playing at, let's say two stars to five stars by my fourth year. So, yeah, that's awesome. So I got to ask at five, three, did you hit? Did you hit or were you purely? <laughs> I mean, we had, to, <laughs> we had to play all roles at practice. So, okay. I mean, anytime that I did hit, I was like, oh, keep me off the net so I don't hit directly uh, into the block. <laughs> so, yeah, my college coach, she's like, you have to do everything. So it was definitely okay. um, quite humorous. Um, yes. Whatever I'd try to hit or like our girls that were 6'5 would try to go and dig a ball because they're like trees falling to the ground. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I love <laughs> For that sure. Now. We have to be well-rounded. I love that. Love that. So last but not least, tell us a little bit about your career path. So you started at West Virginia, you spent time at Clemson, like talk us through that career path and you know, kind of give us some insight as to where you're at now. Yeah. So I started at West Virginia University. Of course, it was definitely a, a strange dynamic going from being a student athlete to coaching the athletes there, especially when yes. you spend time with them. So that really forced me to mature at a high rate just because I had to teach my friends like, hey, you need to respect me because now I'm coaching you. Right. So that was definitely a hurdle that I had to jump over along with that was my first internship. And I actually I worked under football. So I was their first female working in football there at West Virginia University. And I was really thankful to have uh, Mike Joseph and Daryl Bauer there to guide me in my first internship being with football and then also working with all the Olympic sports. It definitely taught me professionalism at a high level, just how to, how to carry myself in the weight room as a female and just as a coach. And they taught me that I need to compete. It doesn't matter if I'm male or female, compete at a high level for positions just by being the best coach and becoming extremely knowledgeable and bringing something special to the table. So I really appreciated them. They were really hard on me, but they really prepared me for all the next steps that I had to go into. So I was there at West Virginia University, and then I actually went up to University of Pittsburgh. So I interned there for just like a summer, and I really enjoyed working there with all the different teams. It allowed me to see teams that you don't really see since I've gotten to Clemson and Mississippi State. Like we have wrestling, we had wrestling at Pitt, swim and dive, gymnastics. So I was thankful to work there and get exposed yeah. to as many teams as possible that you may not see all the time at universities. And then from University of Pittsburgh, I went to Clemson University and I literally spent five years there and I went from being an unpaid intern to a graduate assistant, to an assistant, to the assistant director. And I got to work under two different directors there. So I worked for Dennis Love was the first director. Okay. And then Rick Franswell was the second director. And both of those guys led similarly, but so different. So okay. working under D Love, I learned a certain level of skills. And then when I worked for Rick, it was a whole other set. And I was really thankful to see two different directors and their styles and how they were both fantastic, but it can be done in so many different ways. So whenever I got this position here at Mississippi State, I was like, all right, I'm going to take bits and pieces from, I mean, all the directors that I worked under, whether it's WBU, Pitt, Clemson, and now being here, and then also put my spin on things too. So I think it allowed me to be like, all right, 
Like I can't force myself to be Rick or D love or Mike from West Virginia, but, um, I need to be Stephanie mock and do yes. what I, I can bring to the table that's special and unique. And that's why they brought me here in the first place. So I think I've been lucky to have so many different people influencing my coaching career professionally and personally. So absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, for the young coaches that are listening, I think so often people are in a rush to specialize as coaches in one sport, whether it's basketball, football, whatever the case may be. I think that's one of the best things about my time at Ball State was, you know, for two years, I got exposed to, I think, 20 some different athletic teams. You know, and you just you learn about different cultures, you learn about different athletes, you learn how to communicate and and get your ideas across and persuade all these different types of athletes from different backgrounds. And so I think it's a really beneficial time if you ever work in that environment just to enjoy and kind of work to thrive in that setting where you've got so many different people that you can work with. For sure. No, I couldn't agree more. So as we were talking via email prior to the show, you talked to me about how you enjoy selling your vision of strength and conditioning in your program to the admin and the higher ups. And this was fascinating to me because I love talking about this on the client athlete level, right? Trying to sell them on my vision for, you know, what we do and how I can make them better. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how you do this in your world. Yeah. So at first when I got here in Mississippi State, I feel like sometimes people shy away from being like, oh man, I got, I took over this new position. Everyone wants to sell that it's perfect. Right. When I came here, I talked to the administration and they told me to put together a, a SWOT analysis of what I thought about the two weight rooms that we had at the time. And my thought process was, man, like if I could just get all the student athletes into one space and make it extremely nice, one administration is going to like that. It's going to be less money to redo one weight room versus two, right. but also to my vision for the program. And I was probably a little bit biased being at Clemson. We had all the sports in one weight room and all the student athletes together. That's what I wanted to do at Mississippi State. So we only have nine Olympic sports, so it was definitely practical to be able to get everybody into one space, but yeah. also me taking over the program. I wanted my staff to all be in one space, too. Yep. So whether it's my assistants, my graduate assistants, my paid interns, my unpaid interns, all of us being under one roof and understanding and working off the, the same playbook, policies and procedures. But the biggest thing for me is as I have, whether it's my assistants, my unpaid interns, my paid interns, my GAs, I want them to learn everything they can about all the different sports, along with developing relationships with all the different head coaches, because you never know as they're moving throughout their career, what relationships you're going to rely on throughout that. Um, everybody knows everybody, of course, in the, the world of athletics and just like other worlds. So, and then also just like, not like we just talked about not specializing early in their career. Um, right. I don't want my guys to be one trick ponies. <laughs> I want them to be practitioners, not just like a quote unquote guy, like a football guy, a baseball right. guy. They need to be able to understand energy systems of development, whether it's working with a soccer or a lot of our rotational sports, they need to understand and build out that playbook that we've been yeah. putting together and apply where they see fit and have a true understanding. So if you have this playbook, it's like, all right, whenever I'm working with, whether it's a lacrosse or a soccer versus wrestling versus swimming, they understand the big picture and then they can look at the sport and the needs and talk with the sport coach and work from there. And then also just for me, being here at Mississippi State, I want the administration and the sport coaches to have faith in the system. Yep. So that meaning, like, of course, being in Olympic sports, people go in and out. We're always moving different parts and different people. But 
if they see that the people that I'm bringing in, I'm looking for trustworthy people, extremely hardworking people. They see the consistency of who I hire. They know that they're always going to be taken care of. Yes. At the end of the day, that's having faith in the system. And the sport coaches can go to the administrators and say, hey, I really respect what the SNC department is doing and the types of people that they bring in. And they trust in me to, to carry that out because no matter what realm it is in athletics, there's always turnover going on. So it's just sure. understanding what the expectations are of the program. No, I love that. Of course. I love that. And kind of in that same vein, and and again, we talked about this prior to the show, but I think it's just super important to understand the sport or the sports that you're working with, especially when it comes to talking to individual coaches or athletes. So what are some of the ways that you and your staff go about bridging that gap and really working to, to develop these strong relationships with your coaches and your athletes? Yeah, I mean, I think truly the biggest piece for us is just talking with the sport coaches and hearing out. So like if they're having technical issues, whether it's in the swing or any type of sports movement, they some of these technical pieces may actually be driven by a, a physical impairment. Yeah. So teaching them that, hey, our understanding can help you guys out on the field or in the gym and you want them to get to certain positions, whether it's like I'm saying swing because softball season's about to yes. start up. So yes. This is something I've been looking into a lot. Yep. We can help with them getting these different positions and you may be yelling at them and do this, do that, and they physically can't. That's where we can step in and help out. So I think that's really big with just bridging the gap with the technical coaches, but yep. also I think understanding the coach's game model, like Fergus Conley talks about it all the time, like talking with them and it's like, all right, again, with softball, like, okay, or baseball. All right. What's our game style? Do we just want to develop big, strong guys or girls that can drive the ball? Or are we going to try to play more small ball um, and bunt and steal bases? So we have to rely more on speed. Um, So I think truly understanding and talking with the sport coaches on these different pieces, along with like me personally, this last semester, I've really taken the time to, um, be able to speak the language at the highest level and most elite level by going to a couple of different conferences, whether it's like I went to Slugfest and then the Dodgers Strength and Conditioning Symposium. Right. I'm taking that time and investing in myself and showing them that that's important to me. The sport coaches truly appreciate that, along with as I'm going to these conferences and coming back, I sit down with our sport coaches and talk to them about, hey, these are things that I'm seeing. Um, and it helps start conversations and communication that may not happen naturally. So by going to these conferences, I come back and you're, and you're really building your relationship with the sport coach by talking about what they love. Right. So I think rightfully so you should create the best product for them and and them truly understand that you do care at the highest level. I think it's just so powerful as far as getting buy-in from coaches. Like when they see that you're taking the time to go to a specific conference or seek out other people that are at a high level in their world, right? It just, it, it drives so much buy-in and so much rapport because now that they know that like, this isn't just somebody that shows up to hang out and to coach my athletes. Like they're invested. They're spending their downtime to learn more about the game and to help me. And I feel like every time that I've done that, whether it's been in the soccer space in the basketball space, like that's when your relationships really flourish because these people understand you are committed, you are invested and you deeply care about their athletes and helping them get the most out of their body. For sure. No, I think, a lot of the time when I'm talking to different like strength coaches at different universities about like everyone's dealing with different sport coaches um, and no one's perfect by any means. Right. right. And trying to navigate some of these conversations you have with the sport coaches. At the end of the day, I think the best thing to do is hear them out because they mean well yeah. and then try to talk to them about how it can be transferred into the weight room at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, that's such a great point, too. And like you said, trying to find common ground with them because 
again, I've been in that environment and you never want it to become standoffish, right? Like you may have this model of this is how they should do it. And they have this model of how they learned it. It's like when you can find that common ground and try and work together, man, everybody's life is a lot more pleasant (laughs) and it's just a lot easier for everybody involved. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So one thing, and again, I spent like two and a half years in your environment. One thing that's really tough if people have not been in this world, when it comes to Olympic Olympic level S and C is just the turnover, right? It's long hours, it's low pay. Burnout is a real thing. And I've seen it. I've seen it with people that I know, people I care about, other people that have been coming up through the ranks. So in your world, obviously you see that as well. How do you strive to mitigate that? And how do you help ensure that your athletes at the end of the day are always well taken care of? What I've done here at Mississippi State is Whenever I was at Clemson, I saw how important our unpaid internship was in a sense of having extra hands on deck to help out with groups. And also there are young minds that you get to influence. So you do get a lot of enjoyment out of that as a coach, right? And that's how we get into the field. So using our, we have unpaid interns here at state and paid interns, but using them as big key role players of, okay, rather than an assistant strength coach coming in at 6 a.m. every single day to help out with every single group, helping split that up with like, okay, instead of myself, Stephanie Mott coming in Monday through Friday to help out with every 6 a.m., let's have, okay, if it's golf and I don't have golf, have an intern be assigned to help out with golf Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and really trying to split up those early mornings and those late p.m. groups and trying to divvy out when certain paid interns come in and help out, whether it's paid unpaid. We have graduate assistants trying to divvy up the schedule. So not, it's not people working literally 16 hour days every day. Right. And that's how the burnout. So you have to get creative with all this different staff that you do have. And, and that's why I saw it as important to create the, the unpaid internship because for them to get true experience, they have to be out on the floor, whether it's like setting up groups, breaking down groups, communicating with the student athletes. And as long as you have that certified strength coach on the floor, you're all good from a coverage standpoint. And then having those interns there to help out too. And then also, I think with the the full-timers, we did add paid interns. So like with me, I have a a paid intern that helps me out. And the one big thing is kind of splitting up travel. So like we do travel on the road with our team. So like rather than me traveling every single trip, I'll alternate with my paid intern. And so it's not me on the road all the time. And then me missing my opposite team when they're in the off-season training. Um, I'm not missing like their Thursday, Friday lifts all the time. And then it also gives that paid intern experience of, hey, I get on the road, I get to see what you do on the road, warm up, cool down, soft tissue work in the hotel, they get that experience. So when they go on to get an assistant role, they've already done it and they can put that on their resume. But when I got here to Mississippi State, one thing that I was able to do is add full-time positions and how I explained it to administration is I want my full-timers to have a team that's in season in the fall and in season in the spring. So luckily we have two teams per full-timer and our graduate assistant has two teams, but it's split up like that. So people aren't getting burned out and then we can kind of like work with the traveling piece, but certainly not all schools have that luxury. right? Right. But I knew I put that on the forefront, but I think people really need to push like at this point, people will be like, Oh, I can't get interns. Is that and the other, like I go out and I recruit interns. I'm calling different people like, Hey, do you have anybody there? That's good. Please send them my way. Like these are different things that what I do is I tell them like, Hey, if you come in, come in as an unpaid intern, if you do a really, really good job, 
I will hire internally before externally because I yeah, see your work sure. right in front of me. So if you come in, let's say my interns here in the spring right now, I have three positions opening up here at the end of the spring. If you guys do a really good job, you're setting yourself up for those positions. You're still interviewing, but right. you're setting yourself up for those spots. So that helps me get a little bit more unpaid internship value and more people coming in. So I think like, don't sit back on your butt and just be like, oh, no one's applying to my unpaid internship. No. Like, get out there and, and hunt some good people down. Like, yeah. especially because people talk about like, oh, people aren't getting in the college field anymore. Everyone wants to get paid. And it's like, all right, you just got to get more creative with it. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, don't make excuses. No, it's such a great point. And it's something that my business partner, Bill, and I have talked about on our IFAS podcast, but it's like the game has really changed with regards to internships, right? Like, I don't know how old you are, but I remember when I was coming up, like you sought out internships, right? Because you know, like that's how you get a job. But now it's like, it's almost the opposite. Like the the young kids aren't seeking out interns. It's like the people that are running the gyms or running the facilities, we are like, we have to market ourselves because everybody wants interns, right? And, you know, for right or wrong, some people just look at it as free labor. I think you and I look at it through a similar lens of we're developing young coaches, but it's such a great point. Like if you're working in a facility or, you know, you own, or you're in front of a team, like you have to be on, you have to be more proactive getting interns into your facility now because the days of just sitting back and hoping people are going to email you and want to come work for you are long gone. It just doesn't work like that. For sure. I think, and that was literally the sole purpose. Whenever I got here, I wanted to start an Instagram page for yeah. Mississippi State Strength and Conditioning solely because I know that's the age group that I'm looking for to get as interns. Yeah. So I was like, all right, that's literally the only purpose of I'll put stuff out there and then they can see what we're doing. And then hopefully that gets them to want to come here at the end of the day, you yeah. know? So. That's a great point. Great. So another really critical element of our jobs these days is mentoring our young coaches and our young interns. And it's something that I take very seriously. I know you do as well. So when it comes to this mentorship role, how do you view your role and what steps are you taking to make sure that your young coaches are constantly growing and evolving? Yeah. So I'll kind of start from my assistants and GAs and paid interns and then kind of work down to my unpaid interns. And cool. this is something that we actually added this semester was creating common goals for the staff that we're all working towards. So it's not cool. just me sitting up on my high horse, ideally. Right. right. I'm I'm always asking for feedback from my staff and showing that I care. And that's why I have them around me um, yep. at the end of the day. So like we work towards all right for the spring, we're going to come up with common goals for all of us. So like a few examples are a conference call a month with a different professional, staff continue education on Mondays, watching a different video, listening to a podcast, aiming to do an intern swap for a day. So taking mm-hmm. our interns to another university, like for a Friday, hopefully a university that's like at least like three hours away from us, the farthest, right? And then that their interns coming to us. Oh, so cool. then our interns have the chance to network with another group of professionals and it's yeah. not crazy expensive. You're not sending them to a conference. It's a little bit more cost efficient. Weekly check-ins. So we call this like having your swim buddy. It's a Navy SEALs thought process, but like yes. partnering up with one person on staff. And I set up the partners just for people that usually don't talk to all that much on staff. So like my paid intern, I didn't partner myself with him because I see him enough every day. So I partner myself up with someone else. Okay. Um, And just checking in every week and talking about like, hey, what are you reading? And just holding each other accountable with that piece because continuing education is really important for me. Everyone on staff presenting on a different topic. So just getting used to being up in front of 
a group of people, because that's what you have to do is you work up the ladder to be a director. So everyone presenting on a different topic, but of their choice. So it's, it's something that they're truly interested in already reading about. And it can be whether it's a PowerPoint or just like getting up on the whiteboard, you know, and writing stuff up and teaching the people because that shows that you have a true understanding. Yeah. Doing staff bonding once a week. I think this kind of gets the team morale a little bit higher. So whether yeah. it's going bowling or making breakfast and then just like constantly working on our universal playbook. Those are just some like key goals that we're working towards. And I think that just truly helps us constantly grow and evolve. And they see myself doing it. So they're going to buy in that much more if they're the person that's in charge is doing it with them. And I really try to include my staff on decision making and collaboration on developing policies and progressions and just everyone developing through these processes. Because at some point, my assistants and my paid interns and my GAs are going to have to do this as they move up the ladder. So that's more just how I develop my assistants, my graduate assistants, and my paid interns, and then and me mentoring them consistently. And then for our unpaid internship, we do have my one assistant, he is over them. And I try to spend a lot of time with them too, of just like, hey, come in and ask me questions. But right. their internship is more towards, of course, them just getting a paid job. So getting them ready for those responsibilities. And then for my paid interns in my GA, they do have another separate curriculum, but that's more of like mock interviews with assistant sport coaches, um, athletic trainers, getting okay. them ready for whenever they go to interview for an assistant role. But I really try to tell my staff, like, however much of the program that you want, you can have, right? Yeah. So it's not 100% me. Um, right. If I want to give 20% to my one assistant, 20% to another, like, I'm completely open to any ideas. I don't care what status you are, whether you're an intern or an assistant, like everyone's feedback is critical and I'm open to hearing that out. And I really try to make that heard from day one when I sit down with our interns and talk with them about the two big pieces I look for is just being trustworthy and working extremely hard. Um, And I tell them, like, of course, if you bring something to me, you need to have a reason behind it too. And that's just part of, as you go to other places, uh, you have to have reasoning behind everything and what you're doing. But, uh, I really try to include everybody on everything so they can learn as much as possible and they can always bring ideas to me. You know, I love, I love it. I love it. So I've got to ask, what has been the most fun team bonding activity you've done in recent memory? <laughs> um, like team bonding within my staff? Yeah. So my one graduate assistant, he brought in like this big hot plate yeah. and he wanted everyone to cook breakfast on Fridays. Oh, nice. So we, we had like a hot plate and then actually our one pitching coach, he saw that we did it on one Friday. We had breakfast on the hot plate. We brought like bacon and eggs. So then right. our pitching coach, he brought his hot plate like the next week so we could <laughs> cook even more food. Nice. So it was just funny because we just split up like, okay, all the paid positions, like we'll assign out, you bring eggs, you bring bacon, you bring bread. So we're like out there cooking on these hot plates That's and hilarious. people are like smelling the food and like, they're like, oh man, you guys should start doing this on campus. So like, like <laughs> breakfast sandwiches, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. this is just staff bonding. Yeah. Um, but it's hilarious. a cheap way. Yeah, it's a cheap way for like all of us just bring in a different piece and, yeah. and enjoy breakfast with one another, you know, because we usually have the really early group, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. We have like a hot minute to cook from like 9 to 10 and then we eat together and then you have conversations and it's just it's a good time, you know, oh, and other awesome. people like all the sport coaches that come in and lift and work out. They saw us doing it. And they're like, this is really awesome. And then they're eating with us. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, we should have brought more food. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. But um. It's just one of those things, like, I think sometimes people are like, oh, we're going to go out to dinner. It's going to be so expensive. Like, no, you can do little things that are inexpensive, too, you know, and still having a good time. So I think just taking that time to allow your staff to understand that, like, you're a human being, too. You're not just this 
mean directors sitting in her office, right? right. <laughs> but allows them to see you in a different light. So I think that's fantastic. So it's funny that you mentioned this because one of our coaches, I don't know how he got started with this, but like, let's say it's a year ago. I come in on a Saturday morning, it's like 9am and our entire gym smells like a waffle house. And I'm like, dude, like what? there's like spreads of bacon and there's like pancakes. I'm like, what did you do? He's like, oh, I made some deal with the boot campers that, you know, if they had like they killed it in boot camp that I was going to cook them breakfast. And then that became a thing. Right. So then like for like the next three months, every time I come in, my kids are eating like just heaps of bacon that's been left over <laughs> from boot camp. And I'm like, hey, man, this is awesome. But like, you know, I, like how long is this going to go on? And he did it forever. Yeah. Like. Because people loved it. We had one kid sign. He said, I'm going to sign to be a member at your gym as long as you keep doing this on Saturdays. So he got us some people. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> love that. I love, love that it. for yeah. sure. So along kind of those same lines, you talk about educating your young coaches and your interns. What steps do you take to educate your athletes? Because obviously you're working with this very young and impressionable mind, 18, 22, maybe as old as 24 years old. How do you go about teaching them? The things that we might even take for granted at this point, like how to train, how to take care of their body, how to fuel their body appropriately. Yeah. So whenever I came into Mississippi, Mississippi State, I got this idea from Clemson. Actually, we did a uh, it was called CP3 and it was just an athlete education program that we did in the summer in particular for the freshmen when they would come in. So what we do is right when the freshmen arrive, we usually have about four weeks of training in the summer throughout like July into August. Yep with the freshmen and each week we'll put an emphasis on a different support staff area. So we'll introduce ourselves as the strength coaches and we'll be like, all right, we'll go over ground zero. Why are we doing all these different progressions that may seem crazy because we're just doing body weight exercises? Why are we doing this? We explain it to the kids so they buy in that much more. And then just of course, like why we weight train because yeah. some, some kids come from places they've been training for the last four years. Some kids come from places they've never seen a weight in their life. Yeah. So we go through why we do this and then We'll tap into nutrition. They meet our dietitian because I think nutrition and sports psychology are the two areas that the student athletes come in and they're like, whoa, we've never had this before. And yeah. they're trying to understand how to even utilize this. So for nutrition, they come in, they introduce what they do. And then also they'll go over like, all right, what's good to eat before workouts, after workouts, and then go and do a little bit of like on the road, what you're going to see. And then also the different places they can eat on campus, whether it's like the dining hall through athletics or just like the dining halls on campus too. sports psychology. That'll be the third week. So we got strength and conditioning, nutrition, sports psychology, and they'll go over just what their role is and trying to break that stigma. Okay. Psychologists aren't a bad thing. This is just mental preparation. Right. And then the last week we'll do athletic training and they'll go over recovery modalities, whether it's cryotherapy, getting the ice bath, why we do it, soft tissue work. And I think for those four weeks is just explaining why right? Explaining yeah. why we have all these different things and why they're extremely important. And then from that, we bridged into with our like sports performance group, we talked about, all right, well, how can we add in just quick snippets? And the one thing is like, okay, the student athletes see your strength and conditioning coach a lot, your athletic training coach a lot, or athletic trainer a right. lot. And then they can be a coach too, <laughs> <laughs> athletic trainer a lot, but how can we get the, the dietitian and the sports psychologist involved more? And what I did in the fall, whenever softball was in off training, and this is with other teams or off season training, we did just quick snippets at the end of the lift for 10 minutes of when the sports psychologist would come in and, and work on breathing, let's say, or just imagery. And I told our student athletes like, hey, 
you guys have to understand the fact that I'm giving up 10 or 15 minutes of lift time. This is me showing you how important this is right. um, because I'm putting apart or aside my time to give to the sports psychologist or to the nutritionist. Because if you guys don't practice these other areas, then how are we going to succeed at the highest level? And one of the big things that we talk about in the weight room, as you leave the weight room, it says dominate the other 20 hours of the day. So the kids can practice for three hours, lift for an hour, but what are you doing in all the rest of that time? Right. So of course, what you're eating is important, sleep, mentally, how you're preparing for games, practice, training. So we really put an emphasis on dominating the other 20 hours of the day because it is such a big influence on how training, whether it's practice or lifting, um, yeah. goes for them. That's so refreshing too, because I feel like we have such a training centric environment, you know, like we're excited about training. We love training. We'll talk about training and we work out ourselves. But yeah, to put that emphasis on all these other areas, I think is really empowering to them. And like you said, it helps build not only a better athlete, but like a better human being whenever they hang up the boots or shoes or whatever it is for their sport, you know, when they're done, like they have all these life skills that go beyond just, hey, I prepared at a high level and I played sport at a high level. It's like, no, like I'm a well-functioning human being for the rest of my life based on the time that they've spent with you. Yeah, no, we really want to just set them up for this, to have the skills as they go on, whether it's they're going to play professional or just go out into life that they understand why they're doing these different pieces and why they're important and how to take care of themselves at the end of the day. Yeah. And as coaches, I think, like whether it's for our student athletes or let's say our unpaid interns, like we're paying them if they're not making that much money, especially an unpaid intern, we're paying them in knowledge. So it's our right to right. teach them things yes. at the end of the day, because that's how we're paying them, especially when they're working for free and, yes. and student athletes will go like if it's a walk on and whatever else, like at least I'm giving them that education at the end of the day that they can go on and be successful. And then we're, of course, we're always there to ask yeah. questions along the way. I so I try to be an open book with them. I love it. Okay. Big question time. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Stephanie Mock one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely say focus on the process and less on the outcome. And mm. I say that because I remember as I was working throughout strength and conditioning and interviewing for different jobs, and they're like, all right, of course, like, what's your one to five year goals and then five to 10 year goals. And I've always say like, all right, long term, I want to be a director, right? right. But sure. you can't get caught up in all that. You got to stay, I mean, be where your feet are. People always say it, it's kind of yes. funny, but um, just like you need to stay in the position that you're at and do an extremely good job at that position. Stop thinking about what's next, this, that, and the other. If you're doing a great job where you're at, things will take care of themselves. People yep. will call. And people will speak up for you, whether it's like now myself as a director, I'm like, hey, I will make phone calls for you guys if you're doing a great job. If you're not, then I'm not going to. But right. um, just understanding that and like a lot of kids nowadays, they don't want to chop wood and carry water. <laughs> like you have to focus on the process. Yep. You got to, And that's why I put continue education at such a high level, like reading every day, getting out there. And there's so many like whether it's podcasts, there's so much free knowledge out there for you to just take in and digest that there's no reason why can't focus on the process. And, and that's why like one of my core values for our staff is just reading every single day. It can be yeah. reading, listening to the podcast, all the above. And that's why I started this accountability, accountability buddy or swim buddy system, just because it holds all of us accountable, you know, cause it's so quick. It's so easy to fall just within the cracks. You're in the yeah. season, this, that, and the other. It's like, no, we're going to take the time and hold each other accountable. So I love it. I love it. And it's funny. I literally just talked about this in one of my podcasts a couple weeks ago, but you can always focus on the process, right? You can commit to the process, but you can't commit to an outcome. 
It's like when you were whatever age, you can't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a director in five years. Like you can't control the outcome. Right. But you can absolutely control the steps that you take to the process and the commitment to the process to set yourself up to where if that position comes open, you go to interview, you're ready for it. You know what I mean? It's it's a, sure. di- it's a different mindset. And you could you can have that goal or you can focus on that outcome, but you can't control it. And if you focus instead and commit to the process, it makes your life so much easier. Right. Because then, you know, you're ready. Exactly. I think, too, that's why, like, people get so caught up, especially in the field of strength and conditioning, bouncing from job to job to job. And you look at resumes yes. and everybody was at a place for two years, two years, two years. Yep. And it's like, man, like my big thing, I stayed at Clemson for five years because I worked for someone, whether it's Dennis Love or Rick Francois, they were like, hey, just like stick by me and I'll take care of you. And yeah. I stayed there and I knew like I was constantly learning and learning and learning. So why? Should I take the risk of going somewhere else when I'm working under somebody that I'm consistently learning from? Like if you're at a place and you feel like you're not learning anymore and you've kind of tapped it out, then that's one thing. But I was at a place that I knew that I was being led down the right path and I was learning all the time. So why leave that place? And you're around people that you can trust and know that you're going to take care of you. So I think don't be so quick to just up and leave for whether it's a name of a school, like you're, you need to look at the situation and the people that you're going to be surrounding yourself with. And that's what I really try to tell anybody that's coming to my program, like, Hey, these are our core values. This is what we're working towards. And if this is the environment you want to be in, like, hey, come on, let's go. You know, let's run with it. So I think really chase the people at the university and knowing that they're going to take care of you and it's going to be the right environment for you is so important. For sure. For sure. Okay. Last but not least, we've got our lightning round. So four fairly short questions, but your answer can be as long or short as you'd like. All right. Yes. Number one, (laughs) what's your career highlight so far as a coach? Oh, man. Definitely when I finished the weight room at Mississippi State. Yeah. I completely renovated the weight room top to bottom. And oh, man, what a process. And I included everybody in it. So like whether it was myself, my assistants, my interns, my GAs, like I remember we were looking at the different Sornex rack options. (laughs) I kept going to them like maroon racks. (laughs) <laughs> gray, black, right. they had all these different pictures and I pulled up and I let everybody look at it. So I think like between that and painting all the walls and putting up new graphics and just all the pieces that went into it, like it took a full year to get the whole entire space renovated and done. And the fact that I included everyone in on it and decisions and just getting their opinion on things. And of course you can't include everybody in the world, but my sure. staff, I included everybody and I wanted them to understand like what the process is of going about all this, whether it's getting quotes, like I had them helping me call different vendors. Like they need to understand how to do these things for their next position. So I think including all of them. So whenever we got the finished product, like we could all sit back and just be like, wow, like That's this cool. took so much time, but it was so worth it. And I think right. if it would have been just something that I just did. It would have been one thing I would have been really excited. But the fact that I included everybody in on it and everyone was getting excited when we're carrying all this new equipment, like it made it so worth it. So I think that's definitely a highlight as a coach is like not so much all the new stuff, but just like the the look on everyone's faces when, when the new stuff came in and the fact that they all had an influence on it was pretty cool. So well, you had 100 percent control over your environment, right? Like you built the environment that you wanted for your coaches and your athletes to have. So that's awesome. Yeah. And the student athletes, when they came in, they were like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, like we literally filmed their faces and it was it was really exciting. It was great because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's why you're doing it right. to get better equipment for them. I mean, we're going to train on it, too. But <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, just seeing their faces and just knowing that like 
we're taking care of them. You know, yeah. we're giving them the best product, not only, of course, like the actual equipment, but the best coaches too. Like we're Perfect. here and that's why continuing education is so important. Like we're constantly trying to grow and evolve to create the best product for our student athletes at the end of the day. So, yeah, I love it. Okay. Number two, I know you're an avid reader. What's the most impactful book that you've read in the past year? I definitely have to say The Checklist Manifesto. Okay. And I say that because I needed it as a director. <laughs> yes. Um, I wear a lot of hats and it's helped me build my, out my operating system as a director and whether it's responsibilities for the staff, troubleshooting for technology, setting up technology, like we have lists for everything. So it's really allowed me to take my hands off a lot of different pieces and focus where I need to, to keep pushing the program forward. So I definitely have to say the checklist manifesto. Great book. Great book. Okay. Number three, you've lived in a handful of places up to this point in your life. Did you have a favorite location wise? Man. I mean, yeah. I've been in the north, the south. I know. The one great thing about the south is that I don't have to scrape ice off my windshield. Oh, that's but true. I definitely have to say when I was at Pitt, because I'm from Pittsburgh. Okay. And yeah. that's where my family is. And I grew up there. And it's a huge sports town between the Steelers, the Pens, the Pirates. So, I mean, definitely when I was at Pitt and in Pittsburgh, because that's my old stomping ground. So, oh. yeah. Even with all the snow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I still love it. So. I could do without the snow. But you do have, <laughs> I would imagine, very hot summers. Hot and muggy, Yes. Yes, in Mississippi and in South Carolina, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's muggy. Yeah, you really don't want to go outside unless there's a pool nearby. Right. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, last but not least, number four, what's next for Stephanie Mock? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Anything? Yeah, um, what I've really, because people have been asking this question a lot, and I'm like, oh, man, I really have to just go back to the process, right? And just creating a true culture here at Mississippi State. Like, I've only been here a year and a half, so, like, of course, right. Building the new weight room was really exciting, but just really taking pride in developing my staff and helping them aspire their dreams and hopes and and goals. Like at the end of the semester, I always do an evaluation of where everyone's at and checking in and asking them like what's going to make them feel fulfilled. Because at the end of the day, like being at like up at the top and being the director, it's about taking care of your people. Sure. So just making sure that the culture within my program is we preach a family environment. Like I, I tell my staff, like, I'm not here when my people come in. Like, I don't want to scare you. That's not the tactic I'm trying to do. I'm trying to right. tell them, Hey, like I'm here for you and I want to take care of you. But at the end of the day, you need to get your job done. You know, yes. so you do your job, you don't do your job. So like there is an accountability spectrum because I want to make you the best because I care about you. Right. And I always kind of tell them about the story of the bamboo. So you keep watering it and taking care, taking care of it over and over and over again. And until really like, after five years pass, that's when it truly sprouts and grows really tall. Yeah. So that's how I think about like me as a director here. Like it's about the process and I'm watering the bamboo day in, day out and developing my staff and building it up and building it up. And then after five years pass, hopefully a big sprout comes along <laughs> just like the bamboo and just yeah. keep on growing it. And I just want it to be a special place and be elite, right? I want to yeah. be the best. I don't tell, I tell my interns when they come in, like, Hey, I'm going to push you, but it's going to be great. And you're going to leave here and be like, Holy crap. You right. know, like, and, and it's a place that you can always come back to and reach out to us. And we're always here for you. And, and yeah, I just like, I'm biased towards, of course, all the places I've been at. I'm so thankful and I can reach out to all my mentors and I just want to do the same. So I love it. So I've got to ask the, the bamboo thing. Did you pick that up at Clemson? Is I did. A, oh, <laughs> okay. Wow. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So Dwayne Allen played at Clemson. 
And he told me yeah. that exact same story when I was training him. Like, I've never heard that before. That's fascinating. That's just funny that that, that probably yeah, came from no, the same. Yeah, it must be a Clemson thing then because yeah. Rick told it to me. And I was just like, man, and it's funny because I was at Clemson for five years, right? Yeah. So I kept working through the process and watering the bamboo and yeah. watering and watering. And then, boom, five years later, I got my director job. There so I go. might be biased personally, yeah. but I think just focusing on where you're at and just doing a really, really good job and just creating – a product that not everyone else can create is so important and yeah. just comes with time and hard work. I love so. it. I love it. Well, Stephanie, you've been so great to chat with today. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work that you're doing? Our Instagram page is the best way to just see our program sure. overall. So at Hill State Strength. And then also everyone's more than welcome to reach out to me by email. So my email is smock, M-O-C-K, at athletics dot msstate.edu. Um, feel free to shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. But at Hill State Strength, if you direct message us too, we'll get back to you too. Um, cool. I know I mentioned having a few positions open. So if people are looking for spots, yeah. please reach out. Yeah, that would be an awesome opportunity. So again, Stephanie, thanks so much for taking your time. I truly appreciate it. No, thank you, Mike. I really enjoyed it and hope to be in touch again soon. Awesome. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Stephanie. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed some of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, whether it's learning how to educate your other coaches, educate your athletes, how to mitigate turnover. I mean, I realized that that burnout is a real thing at the division one level, but I didn't realize it was such a big deal. And I think Stephanie and her team do some really great things to help mitigate their losses and to make sure that they kind of always have that next man or that next woman up. So if you enjoyed this week's show, I would sincerely appreciate it if you would do one of two things for me. If you're not already subscribed, go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, whatever is best for you, hit the subscribe button right now so you get notified every single week when we drop a new episode. If you already subscribed, thank you so much, very much appreciated, but take two minutes out of your day, go to iTunes, give me a quick review, let me know how we're doing, rank the show, if it's five stars, five stars, that would be awesome, but regardless, give me a ranking, give me a review, let me know what you like, let me know if there's other people you want to have on here, because look, this show, it's fun for me, but ultimately it's all about you and making you the best trainer or coach possible. So as always, my friend, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.